0: Well, it's likely to be a fairly quiet start to the week. We've got no big data releases and no earnings from the United States till tomorrow because they're on holiday today. But the market continues to assume that the Fed will peak early, maybe a couple more interest rate rises, then that's it. And recession avoided. Will earnings results change all that? And we'll see on that. Although it's next week that those reports really start to hot up. So it's going to be fairly quiet today. So enjoy it while you can. But maybe the big news of the week this week is going to be the Bank of Japan. What are they up to? It's Monday. 16th of January 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the week finished on a high for US equities with a 0.7% rise in the NASDAQ last week, a 0.4% lift in the S&P 500 on Friday, and a third of 1% up for the Dow. The Dow over the last month has risen 4.2%, so that shows how much optimism there is so far this year that things are going to get better. But even more in Europe, the Euro Eurostox 50 has risen 9.1% over the last month, including a 0.6% rise on Friday. The FTSE 100 also gaining 0.6% at the end of the week, but lagging the Eurostox 50 on Monthly growth, But it's still 7% up. Bond yields were rising at the end of the week, up six basis points for 10-year treasuries, up to 3.5%, but still a bit lower than the start of the year when they were close to 3.9%. Yields were rising in Europe too, although not to the same extent. Although over the last month, European yields have risen faster, up 13 basis points for 10-year gilts over the month compared to just six for 10-year treasuries and all of that, that six on Friday. Aussie 10 years, meanwhile, down. Just one basis point on Friday, but up 14 over the month compared to a 26 basis point fall in New Zealand 10 year yields. Uh, A very different story on both sides, isn't it? The US dollar didn't move much on the DXY index on Friday, but we did see a 1% rise in the Japanese yen counterbalanced by a 0.2 percent fall in the euro and the canadian dollar the aussie holding fairly steady just under 69.7 us cents and oil is pushing higher a 1.9 percent rise in wti on friday almost 90 a barrel now uh brent up one and a half percent just over 85 dollars which is where it started the year but it did Dip markedly uh, soon after the year got underway. And good news for Australia, iron ore up over 2.7% on Friday, up over 6.5% over the week last week. So, Taylor Nugent is with me this morning from NAB in Melbourne. So, look at what we've got, Taylor. We've got equities pushing higher on hopes, obviously, that the worst of inflation is over. The VIX index, too, almost down to 18 when it was up to almost 23 at the start of the year. So, there is this assumption, isn't there, for many investors that the swings that we've been seeing are behind us. And this hope that the U.S. can see its way through uh, the inflation problem without getting into recession, and uh, you know, and obviously a lot of that is based on this hope that uh, China is reopening for business, hunky dory, happy days.
1: Yeah. Good morning, Phil. I, I think that's right. I think there's a, a sense out there that kind of hopes of a, a soft landing are maybe a little bit a little bit firmer than they than they were late late last year, and we're seeing that come through in kind of the. The um, rally in in bonds that we've seen, and and also in in the um, strength of equity markets so far this year. So on on Friday, equity markets opened opened lower. S and P five hundred down um, as much as point nine percent at one point, but did kind of grind back throughout the day to to end up in in the green once again. Um, bank earnings from um, a, mm. a few big names, including including J P Morgan, um, kind of. Helped there as well Some kind of Some mixed results there Some kind of concerns About the outlook evident But again Kind of still showing That the, the consumer Is is resilient In, in yeah. their data And in those earnings results as Well Well, home loan so,
0: revenues Understandably were down But everything else was up So JP Morgan I mean they, that was A standout result Wasn't it 17% up uh, In the fourth quarter Net income up 6% uh, Their share price Up 2.5% So yeah I mean there were Some very strong results
1: really. Yeah Yeah Certainly a, a lot of Strength in there But then you know Again Kind of you know the data holding up for now, but kind of, you know, some increased um, provisioning mm. for potential loan losses and some some concern about the outlook coming through. But yeah, all in all, quite a, a positive result there and still kind of feeding into that that resilience story. We also had some um, consumer sentiment data out in the US as well that added to that optimistic mood with um, consumer confidence jumping much more than, um, than expected um, and really led by those current conditions um, as well with mm. With near term inflation expectations a little bit lower, the the number of people um, citing um, price rises as a as a constraint on family finance has fallen quite materially as well. And so, you know, all of that consistent with the outlook for the the US consumer. You know, fairly fairly robust and, and helped by some some falls in gas prices, especially that, that we've seen recently. Yeah,
0: so it'll be interesting to see what happens when the rest of the earnings results, what impact they have on share prices. So nothing today, because of course it's uh, uh, Martin Luther King uh, Jr. holiday, uh, so it's all closed up in the US, but uh, we've got Goldman's and uh, Morgan and Stanley tomorrow. And then later in the week, Procter & Gamble and Netflix. Uh, but next week actually is the really busy week, isn't it? So that's the one to watch to see what that does to equity markets.
1: Yeah, yeah. The US earnings are um, very important there with you know how how much can um you know the the strength in equities we've seen so much so far this year sustain and, and to what extent are are earnings being being hit by the kind of you know cost increases and, and the outlook for for slowing growth over, over 2023. So the question very much kind of in Q4 have those expectations for earnings been revised down far enough, and then any kind of guidance about the outlook for you know margin compression and other other risks to earnings looking forward over 2023 will be very much in focus.
0: Now this idea, you know, can you get through it all without a recession? Well Australia looks uh, you know the the best place to do that, doesn't it? But we are seeing a bit of a slowdown. It's not widespread, but it is happening for housing. The impact of those interest rates clearly kicking in. So housing loan commitments in November we saw on Friday down 3.7% month on month, down 24.3% year on year. But here's the interesting thing. Still well above pandemic levels, pre-pandemic levels, almost 30 percent higher than it was before COVID struck. Amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you had those loan um, commitments data on on Friday and, you know, really no surprises there. That kind of adjustment to higher interest rates continuing to to come through in that data. And we expect further falls to to come as that as that adjustment to, to higher rates does continue to come through, and then you know in that in that context, kind of that that borrowing constraints um, being being a key part of the the housing price adjustment that we're seeing playing mm. out at the moment as well. Certainly, um you know more to come um, from that perspective as that adjustment to higher rates comes through. But
0: that figure of you know being so much higher than the pre pandemic level that is because of house prices, isn't it? You know, there's greater commitment because prices are so much higher. If you actually look at the number. Of uh, commitments to owner-occupied properties being financed, it's actually down on, ever so slightly, on pre-pandemic levels. So it is being driven entirely by elevated prices. So if prices come down, then presumably that number is going to come down as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. So that's a that's a, a, a total values number as well. And so higher prices mm. mean means higher borrowing to, to to get in the door, and that all of that's being reflected in that that elevated level of, of loan commitments relative to pre-pandemic. Um, as well, even, even as that adjustment is coming through.
0: So I want to talk about China and Japan before we before we go today, but there are some important numbers we should point out for Australia, because it is a busy week for, for us, isn't it? We get employment data on Thursday and uh, consumer confidence on Tuesday as well. Also, overseas arrivals and departures on Tuesday. It's going to be interesting to see how the tourism sector is uh, picking up, particularly as China bounces back, probably too early to tell on that China bounce back, because that's all happened, you know, pre- presumably since those numbers have been collated. But uh, nonetheless, interesting to see the day direction of travel (laughs) if you excuse the pun
1: yeah yeah that's right so too early in those um, arrivals and departures numbers to get this that kind of that latest impact from the the most recent reopening but certainly still we expect that to show heading in the the direction of of normalization in terms of those cross-border movements and seeing that play out in a number of areas of the economy including um in the impact on on the labor market and as you said we get that um that australian employment data on thursday really the the pick of the week in terms of the australian data calendar and and there we expect those december numbers to show a, a still strong labor market we expect around 25k um employment growth and the unemployment rate to to stay at its 48 year low of of three point four percent, which is um, similar to, to the consensus estimate as well. So any any number similar to that, that sort of outlook would, you know, confirm a, a still strong labor market backdrop in in December, and you know we think would be enough certainly enough to keep the, the RBA moving in in February with a twenty five basis point hike, mm. and, and again in March.
0: Yeah, and and just going back to the United States on that, the expectation is still, isn't it, twenty five and twenty five? You know, with with many expecting that they're going to stop there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. So on Friday, um, not too much new news, but just kind of continue to digest the the implications of that that CPI report. We had Atlanta Feds, um, Bostic speaking on on Thursday evening in the U.S. as well, and certainly kind of you know feeding in expectations that a further downshift to twenty five basis points looks likely at, at the next meeting. He noted that the the report was was really welcome news, and it, and it suggested inflation is moderating giving him comfort that um, might be able to move more slowly now that they're in restrictive territory. And despite that kind of, you know, that small retracement in the um, in the rally and bonds that we've seen so far this year on Friday, that kind of um, that near term Fed pricing did did kind of hold in with just 47 basis points um, priced over over the next two meetings. So um, it's. about 27 basis points priced for the February 1 meeting. So, you know, firming up on that, that 25 basis point expectation for, for February. But then, yeah, still, still kind of underpricing the most recent dot, dot plots as you look further out with a, with a peak just below 5%.
0: And the Bank of Japan this week. Now, you know, for months we've been saying, oh, Bank of Japan coming up, they're not going to do anything. We can't make that assumption anymore, can we, ever since they sort of like uh, moved their tolerance for the, uh, for, for the yield curve control?
1: yeah that's right so that that um december 20 surprise move to to widen that tolerance band around the the yield curve control target certainly means that there's a a lot of focus on the bank of japan this week so the bank of japan meets wednesday and that that kind of 0.5 percent upper bound for that that 10-year yield target very much under pressure late last week as well um, with the the ten year yield moving up to point five four percent at one stage on friday before um heading back to, to um, 0.505, and that only after the, the BOJ bought 5 trillion of um, JGB. So that's its largest purchase on on record, um, largest daily amount ever, um, and comes after a, a um, previous record set the day before on, on Thursday. And so as we head into this week, you know, the, the commitment is there to um, to do more depending on market conditions on, on Monday and then, you know, speculation about is there going to be a further tweak in that that yield curve control policy on Wednesday? Certainly, certainly mounting. There's a, you know, some some tough um, decisions to be made there. The Bank of Japan very much still looking for that wages piece of the puzzle to come through before being confident um, inflation is higher. But in the meantime, those kind of market functioning concerns are are there, and we had some reports in in Japanese media as well that kind of the the, um, BOJ was mulling further steps and and whether there's side effects of that, that yield curve control policy. And so, you know, the most likely further tweak if, if there is one could be, you know, a a further widening of the tolerance band, uh, maybe an extra 25 basis points there, which, you know, the, 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 um, the best outcome um, if they do opt for that kind of approach would be maybe just to have that ceiling a little less binding and iron out some of the the kink in the curve around that 10 year mark. But, you know, could just also embolden expectations that a, a more um, wholesale change to that policy is coming. Um, and so, you know, very much a lot of uncertainty around that decision on Wednesday. Um, you know, it's still, you know. Governor Kuroda's term ends in April. We've got the spring wage rounds coming through in April and June. So, you know, the, the long-held expectation was, you know, you probably need to get those events on the calendar out of the way before you get some kind of, um, before you get an end to, to YCC if, if one is coming. But yeah, a lot of a lot of interest in um, that decision on Wednesday. Um, also, the the um, updated projections will be worth a look as well for the the longevity of the YCC policy. With you know the the previous projections in October, still seeing inflation heading back below the two percent target um, towards the end of the forecast horizon, and so upward revisions to those um, inflation forecasts further out. Once that kind of energy, food, and import cost price um effects that's um lifting the cpi at the moment um washes through will be will be key
0: and we we were certainly seeing you know some some reaction in the yen aren't we
1: yeah yeah that's right and so you you know the last the back half of the week the yen certainly um certainly strengthening the yen up 3.2 percent um over over the week and a lot of that coming through on on thursday and and friday um and you know that's just that um the yen now um you know back to around where it was um, around seven months ago back on um, the US dollar against the yen back around 1 120 back comfortably below 130 um and mm. you know part of that is just kind of you know the the combined impact of expectations for fed hiking um, being paired a little bit and then all this um, upward pressure on on Japanese yields as well just you know that that widening of the of the interest rate differential there that have been so important to that um, that run up in the US dollar against the yen earlier just you know some reversal in that probably certainly key for, for the yen
0: and uh, China their balance of trade numbers for December weren't that good but, but better than expected it's fair to say so imports were down 7.5% month on month against an expectation of uh, of losing 10% uh, but uh, also exports down 10% month on month but that, that was all uh, before you know this zero COVID was finally abolished so it's a it's a bit of uh, ancient history in a way isn't it i guess but on the uh, you know on zero covid i mean we've got to hope they they make their way through this and they they get back to work and we start to see the recovery but jesus Sixty thousand deaths in a month. They're having a bad time from it over there. So hopefully, they, they know, this is a, this is short term. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the, there is a hope that they they are going to get back. You know, hence all this market optimism that we're seeing right now.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's right. The kind of that that um, the speed of movement away from those zero COVID restrictions has certainly um, been been fairly rapid, and yeah. we're kind of seeing that in the the reopening wave that, that's moving through at at the moment. Um, and yeah, I think you know those. That near-term impact was always going to be disruptive um but you know markets certainly more more forward-looking and looking to the recovery through through 2023 and i think that those december trade data really need to be seen in in that context so as you say maybe not quite as bad as feared but certainly disruptions through through december were were real and then you know looking forward um a lot of chinese data on tuesday as well this week with um q4 gdp numbers um expected to to fall 1.1 percent quarter on quarter and also those December um indicators for for retail industrial production and um and a, a couple of other things also very much impacted by you know the facts on the ground in in December and you know that data really setting the starting point for the expected recovery over over 2023 um more so than than you know O- Overreading too much what what the situation was in december
0: and uh and finally you know low down that list of countries that are going to sail through all of this without going into recession uh the uk although they had their gdp numbers on friday and uh, month on month for uh i think this was for november wasn't it the read was was actually 0.1 percent higher when it was expected to fall but uh that was you know november the world cup was on so <laughs> So lots of eating and drinking, uh, a lot of attention paid to that up until the quarterfinals. Then suddenly everyone in England lost interest for some reason. Wonder why that would be. Uh, but that you know almost certainly will have influenced those figures a little bit. I mean, there's no doubt is that the UK is in, is in a bad place. But we find uh, we get the inflation number, so hopefully that will that will fall, and we get labour market data as well this week. The week, average weekly earnings basically tomorrow for the UK.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that that the November GDP number still kind of defying those those headwinds that are. Are, are well known for the UK mm-hmm. and, and remaining in positive territory for for now. Um, and then, you know, more more data coming up um, this week. Those those average earnings numbers, are obviously, key for for the Bank of England as it as it looks to um, see inflation come down.
0: Excellent, very good. Taylor. Well, we started off thinking there was not a lot to talk about. Well, we found we found plenty to talk about, didn't we, this morning? So good to have you back, and uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Phil. And that's it. That's how things are. This Martin Luther King Jr. public holiday in the United States. We are back again tomorrow morning for another edition of The Morning Call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.